Hello and welcome to the Fintech Australia podcast presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in fintech executive search. I'm Dexter Cousins and in today's show, we're joined by Brendan Malone, co-founder and COO of Raise. But before we talk to Brendan, a big shout out to our awesome partners, Fintech Australia. They're a member-driven organization building an ecosystem of Australian fintechs advancing the global economy. We share their mission to build a strong community, foster connections, and support innovation. To become a member, go to fintechaustralia.org.au. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Thank you, Dexter. Thanks for having me today. Mate, I am... I reckon I've been hustling you for about three years to do this. Would that be fair to say? It has, it has. And, mate, and uh, you know, we've been quite busy over race. Just a little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we want to have a, a chat with you about today because it's been a bit of a remarkable journey from the kind of acorn days. Um, so could you tell maybe our listeners a, a little bit more about Ray's and who you are? Yeah, yeah. Look, I th- I'll take it back to the start. And in 2015, we we brought Acorns from, uh, from out from the US here, and and that was driven by our managing director or CEO George Lucas, um, the George Lucas, not Star Wars. Yeah. This guy behind Star yeah, Wars. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he, he's, he's doing well like him. But uh, anyway, George brought it out from um, from the US, um, and then sort of brought me along along from st- from the start in the March of 2015. And we spent the next sort of nine to ten months building the app out and making sure it was Australian regulated and fit for Australian consumption. We launched in February 16 under the name of Acorns, and we were very surprised and very happy to see the rapid take up. Um, maybe maybe just to back it up a little bit. So what Acorns or Raise was doing at the time was breaking down the barriers to investing. It was taking taking investment in a bite-sized chunk. So for as little as $5, you could invest in, in a portfolio that you chose so your whole $5 was broken down. So that when we say breaking down the barriers, the brokerage fees, the minimum investments, the minimum lock-up times, it broke all of those down and sort of changed the way we or everyday Australians could get into investing. Um, you also pioneered something that's become very popular now, which is the roundups feature as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that, again, that was uh, so that was the sort of the key marketing exercise we brought out of the US was everybody invests, everybody wants to invest, and everybody knows they have to have a budget. But by putting spending and savings together, that that was the key. So we, when you download the app, you fill out your registration and you link a uh, Roundup account to it. So what that does is provides transactional, a list of your transactions into the app, and the app then monitors those transactions and rounds it up. And, and like for example, you go downstairs, you buy a coffee for three dollars fifty. We round that. $3.50 to $4 and we take that 50 cents and put it into your selected portfolio. So what it does is as you're spending, there's an opportunity to save as well. And as we say at Raise, you know, it's the savings in the background of life, yeah. which can help make a difference. So where's the business at now? Because you mentioned that, you know, launch in 2015, it's been a yeah, hell of a journey. Of a um, journey. Where are you at now, Brendan? Yeah, so we look, we're sitting at about 227,000 monthly users here in Australia. Uh, from the, from the days of Acorns, we changed the name in April 2018, and we listed on the ASX in June 18. Um, and the reason we listed on the ASX was just to get a little bit more capital to to do the expansion that we wanted to do. And and, and we'll get to the Southeast Asia expansion, but with sort of over 900,000 signups here in Australia over a four and a half year period, coming up five years, yeah. it'll be five years in May. We're very happy with the way that's gone and the penetration we've got into the Australian market, but there is still room to go. Mm. 
um, over the period of since launch, as well as the changing of the name, we've sort of added 13 or 14 new products within the Raise product itself. Um, that can be things like Raise Rewards, our ESG portfolios, our exciting Bitcoin or Sapphire portfolio yeah. that was released on the 22nd of May this year. So it's been a hell of a ride and what we need to do and, and what our customers are expecting from us is to keep that innovation going mm. uh, and then that's the key. Yeah. No, you, you know, we kind of talked about that journey of the, the ASX and, you know, there's a, you know, a strong debate, I think, here in Australia as to, you know, is that the, the optimal path to go? Um, you know, and everybody will point to afterpay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's not always that kind of, you know, that much of a ride, is it? And, no. uh, you know, they've done a remarkable job. Um, what, what's been your experience of, you know, the going the ASX listed route? And, you know, if you had your kind of time again, do you think it's it's the way that you would go? Yeah, um, look, I get asked that question a lot. Uh, whilst the education and the learning experiences that we've gone through um, and, and the way the markets have been, look, I'd, I'd probably say I would do it again. Mm. Um, it gave us access to uh, sort of we raised $15 million on the actual initial listing. Uh, from a, from a, We already had investors pre that. Uh, and it, it gave us the kickstart to get to where we needed yeah. to get to. And, and the Australian consumer, um, you know, we, when we launched, their biggest thing was a lot of the questions coming out from our customers was, are we safe? Yeah. You know, we weren't a, a, an Acorns or a Raise powered by a brand, one of the big four banks mm. or anybody like that, or even like an AMP. It was, we are Raise or Acorns at the time. So getting the consumer confidence yeah. was a hard piece. And whether people agree or disagree with me, by being listed on the ASX, it can help with the credibility yeah. behind the yeah. business. And, you know, we're AFSL. We own our, we own our own AFSL. We, we comply with all the restrictions on that. We're ISO secure. But no matter how hard we push or what we do, we've still got to get that, get customers to trust in us. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's financial services. Absolutely. And, you, you know, you've given people access to your bank account. And exactly. And, and yeah. people say it's only $5. Well, no, $5 means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, And as we can see, and we talk about the numbers that we're doing in Australia, we've got 490-odd million in funds under management. Mm. So the important part is that uh, over the journey of and, and the, a main customer base of millennials, $5 today and $5 when they're 60 you know, can make a hell of a difference yeah. to either their retirement or, or just their general savings plan. Yeah. Um, no, you, you're pioneers in more ways than one. You know, so I talked about the, the roundups function. But also, I think you were one of the the first fintech here in Oz to say, "Hey, there's an opportunity," and it's not the US, and it's not the UK; it's Southeast Asia. Um, I was at the fintech festival in Singapore last year, and it blew my mind. I was just, and we then you had regulators and you know, um, central banks from Cambodia, Vietnam, um, you know, Thailand. And I was absolutely blown away. Like Cambodia's got their own digital currency, right? Exactly. Like yeah. they are yeah. so, so far like you know, advanced than you would expect. What's been that experience like for you expanding into Southeast Asia? Yeah, it's just amazing up in Southeast Asia. The pace, the, the the population, the technology, number of mobile phones. It is just it fascinates me every time I go there. Mm. And as you could probably tell, both George and I and the rest of the team have yeah. been there quite a lot yeah. in the last couple of years. It's a bigger market than in the US. It's what, like 500 million? Oh, easily. 
users fifty percent penetration with smartphones. Yep. Oh, I did, I did say it's even higher than that. It's, right. it's just amazing the way that they use their technology and the population. And there's been some very successful. I mean, we take Indonesia for example because it's the, our first expansion was into Indonesia. Uh, just seeing what the other fintechs like the Gojeks and things are yeah. doing there, it's just just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, fast moving, innovative, customers get behind them, customers tell them what they want and they build it. Mm. It's just a massive opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I remember um, this is what, 2013 or 14, and it was when I first kind of thought fintech, this is going to be huge. And I met with a, an old contact of mine, really good guy, a guy called Craig Ford, who's a managing, was the managing director of SCORE life reinsurer here in Australia and he'd just been sent out to Singapore and his remit was just go and see what's happening right we've heard of this kind of fintech insurtech mm-hmm. thing and he told me about um Tencent right and Unfinancial and he said on Black Friday um I think they'd done something like 650 million insurance policies in a 24 hour period. (laughs) Now, you know, that was mind blowing enough, but I think what really struck me was, um, you know, Craig had explained that, hey, look, they don't have the legacy issues that we've got here in Oz or in the US or the UK. So they just build, right? It's like built for purpose. What have you found, you know, kind of his, uh, you know, has helped raise kind of get that traction when you've gone to Southeast Asia? It's, um, look, there's a lot of lessons learned in Australia. Yeah. Um, and then maybe those lessons don't need to be learnt or used in the in the Southeast Asian market, but we are putting them in place. Because, yeah. like, with my past roles with the Royal Bank of Scotland, it was good to, my learning experiences was to build, RBS had a few problems, as we all know, yeah. so we sort of descaled the business to, to mm. strength. Now I've been given the opportunity with George and the team to build a business from scale. So it's important to get those foundations right. Uh, no matter what country you're in, yeah, you know there are certain what there are certain ways to do things and do it. You, you, there's no shortcuts. Do it right the first time, otherwise you'll cause problems for yourself down the line. So even when we talk to the regulators up there, they are very excited about the financial education, financial innovation, and financial inclusion that something mm. like Raise gives them because they they've they've all got that sort of mandate for their own population yeah. to to help with that. And if Raise can deliver on that, it's exactly mm. what we want to do. So um, the scale's there. Yeah, we're we're in the midst of. You know, probably the biggest crises we've uh, ever faced in our lifetime, lifetimes with COVID. Um, you know, it, it's a you know challenge, I guess. You know, having a Southeast Asian business and none of us can travel. So, how have you you managed that? You know, kind of managing the operations whilst being you know, isolated here or stuck here in in Australia. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, even in this period, like we launched the Malaysian business on the 1st of June. So we've launched it during the middle of COVID, during, you know, the team being stuck here in Australia without the travel. So, I mean, there's a couple of things. It's it's the importance that we put on the team on the ground. Yeah. Um, You know, they're they're good guys, they're sensible, but the communication needs to be there. And, you know, our, our... system of choice for the office is Microsoft Teams. Mm. That has been our new best friend or my new best friend. I, I'm so, I spend more time on Teams than I do talking face-to-face with my own wife Yeah, um, because I've got to talk to the Indonesian team. I talk to the Malaysian team. Uh, then they then we all have consolidations with the whole teams together. It is all about communication. Yeah. Um, that's the important part. Well, we're just going to pause here and take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to shamelessly plug my business. Getting from 1 to 100 people is the biggest challenge facing any founder, and hiring the right executive talent is a real pain point, especially when the business keeps changing and growing. 
Many founders hire executives, pay big salaries, only to find there isn't the work to justify their salary. Have you thought about hiring executives on demand? We've carefully selected executives with proven capability to deliver in startups. You can engage for a day, a week, a month or a year, meaning you can access the right expertise at the right time for a fraction of the cost and less risk to your business. Our people are experts in product market fit, IPO and capital raises, risk, technology and sales. And they're there to help you reach the next stage of success in your startup journey. If you'd like to find out more, contact Dexter at tier1people.com. Well, Brendan, welcome back. Thank you. You were just talking there about um, Microsoft Teams and I guess, you know, the, the benefits that and it's helped you engage with your teams in you know, Southeast Asia. One question I've got is, uh, you know, this goes back from a, what, 20-year history in recruitment where I, I, I got involved at the beginning of what was the outsourcing kind of, you know, phenomenon. Um, and I think that, you know, the kind of recurring challenge was always around culture and communication. What have, what have you seen to be, you know, the challenges around kind of getting an Aussie culture and integrating that with, um, you know, cultures from around the world? Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting question, Dexter, and I think it, it all depends on the individuals as well. I mean, with my last role with RBS, I was looking after nine different countries through Southeast Asia, so I understood the cultural differences and the expectations on the ground. Um, and I must tell you, what we've done in the last three years here with the business here has been much easier than it was for the period of time at RBS through the use of technology. Yeah. Um, the teams and, and things like that, it's much easier than emails, even Slack messages. You know, we've got yeah. certain groups of, you know, um, Indonesian compliance or Indonesian finance. We're getting responses and we're getting answers and helping them out, helping each other out. The, the Australian customer support teams talking to the Malaysian customer support teams speaking to the Indonesian one. And it's even, you know, Indonesia's been live for six months or so. Um, Malaysia's two months, Australia four years, there's certain, because the teams are talking and, and I don't love the word collaboration, but it is what it is, um, there's certain things that have come out of Indonesia and Malaysia that's helping the Australian business. Yeah. Not just the you know, parent versus child, it's across board. Yeah. So it sort of levels the, the, the ability to talk to each other. Um, but you've got to be aware of the social um, and cultural differences in mm. each of the countries and, and you know, we've... We're, we're very cautious of that. Um, you know, the, the joint venture structures that we've set up has made us aware of that. And it's not – you don't go into a country and you open the doors on day one. Yeah. It is a X amount of months learning period. Yeah. You know, there was 12 or 13 months in Indonesia before we even did anything. Mm. Then there's, you know, six months into into the Malaysian business before we even start building the product. Yeah. And it's uh, been pretty well documented as well. You know, Aussie – particularly Aussie financial services firms who've gone into Asia and – Try to kind of you know stamp their yeah, yeah their 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 culture yeah. and their way of doing things, and it's just failed. Yeah, yeah, and look, I saw that with um when the RBS uh, retail was sold ANZ and then pulled out again. So I've I've seen it firsthand. So you know, the way that we get our teams to communicate to each other and respect each other's mm. is an important part of the success. Mm. Yeah. How how have you kind of um you know, got everybody to. I, I guess celebrate together. You know, you, you touched on that word before, collaborate. 
and we use it and people dish it out like it's some kind of superpower. Yep. I, I mean, surely that's just the, you know, if you're hiring people, the expectation is you're going to collaborate yeah, together, well, exactly. right? Exactly. That, and that's why I don't like using the word, but everybody throws it around. I think, um, I mean, Dexter, the beautiful thing is the whole the whole team, uh, Asia-wide, gets to see George in my face every day on our Zoom conference. The beautiful thing <laughs> is they get to see your face. Yeah, they yeah. physically get to see us. Mate, I'm going to warn you, right, we do put a photograph of you on the artwork for the podcast. So. Would you just let me bring that photo first, mate, please? You might have to brush it up a little bit. There's a there's a charge that comes with that, but it can be done. Uh, but it is. It's the... The communication. Yeah. You know, maybe collaboration is not the right word. It is the communication. Mm. And, you know, if you look at everything that's happened, in, if there's ever an issue in anything, whether it's a team sport, whether it's in the office, it usually you break it down and yeah. it's lack of communication. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, if people are listening to this, you know, and they're, they're thinking about joining Ray's, what, what kind of people would you say are successful in the business? Well, anybody that gives a thumbs up on my photo is going to be, right. going to be okay. very positive. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look, it's, um, uh, I mean, you, you touched on sort of the legacy issues in in Asia Pacific versus Australia. There's none of that. But that also comes back to an organisational structure and, and system, the way that we're built. Um, so in for someone to be in race, you've got to be pretty fast moving. Mm. You know, we are innovative. We, we are customer driven on, like we have our own agenda of where the product wants to go, but we're very heavily listened to what our customers are yeah. asking for. And an example being the ESG portfolio, six months after launch, customers asked for it. So we built it and, and, and that's what they yeah. wanted. So you've got to be fast moving. Um, and probably one thing I didn't realize when I first joined or first signed up was that the small print that it's a 24-7 app, you know. I might have a perfect Friday, but three or four o'clock on a Saturday, the app goes down. Yeah. You know, it, it can happen. So you, you've just got to be on the ball. And mm. as long as you're fast paced, energetic, but passionate as yeah. well, because it, that's what's going to make a difference yeah. to a customer driven business. It's funny. I um, read a tweet by somebody um, in my network. Great guy, by the way. Uh, but he, he put up a, a kind of, you know, one of these questionnaire things. If you had the choice, work and remote, you know, Monday to Friday, would you want in four days, would you want Monday off, Friday off, or the kind of one of the three days in the middle? And it just struck me that surely the whole thing about us being able to now work remote means that you can work anytime, not within the constraints of Monday to Friday. Yeah. And it, it really struck me that, you know, if you look at um, the world we're in now, particularly business, it's a bit like performance sports, right? You don't mm -hmm. get to kind of choose when you turn up. Right, yep. you gotta, you gotta be there, right? Yeah. You just gotta make it happen. You don't yeah. go, hey, I'm not in the mood today, yeah. so I'm not gonna turn up with the team. Yeah. Um, and this whole thing, right, where, um, uh, you know, you look at outcome-driven kind of businesses, it's performance-based. Why do you think you know, people are kind of um, stuck with this Monday to Friday mentality, particularly when they come into a startup like Ray's? Yeah, I think it, it probably just a legacy thing. I mean, it also depends on the individual's lifestyle. Yeah. You know, I I tried my hand at running a pub and owning a pub for a few years, but I'm not a hospitality kind of guy mm. and also my partner or my wife wasn't either. Yeah. So I'm working weekends, I'm working public holidays and she's not. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of legacy issues. People mm. go, well, I've got to work Monday to Friday because, A, that's what I've used to do, but that's what my partner does or that's, yeah. what, you know, that's the expectation or the boss may say, well, I work Monday to Friday, so you have to as well so that we can get things done and move forward. 
Um, I think there's still a lot more flexibility to go. Yeah. Um, look, even even our team, they're starting to work a bit more at home. Mm. Um, and I get in, I get in first thing in the morning, and they're online first thing in the morning because they're they've not having to deal with the commute. Yeah. And I like that. I, yeah. I think it's great. Uh, so I think I think at the end of the day, it's probably a legacy thing. You know, the next generation might change that. Yeah. But, well, my yeah. kids keep complaining that I'm always working. <laughs> I say, yeah, that's one of, one of the problems of being a present father, right? Yes. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yes. And then the problem with that is that I've got a two-year-old, so he doesn't realise when I actually have to do this yeah. for, for, the, for the work. Like, sorry, mate, I'll play with you in a sec. It's, uh, it's very, it gets hard. Yeah, it does, it does. Um, now, I want to kind of um, give both you and George a shout-out. And the reason why is that, you know, I've been in this game for, you know, well, FinTech in Australia pretty much since it began. And both you and George, are, you know, you've been the trailblazers, right? I mean, you were way ahead of your time launching Acorns. You were one of the first fintech, if not the first to list on the ASX. One of the first to go to Southeast Asia, right? Um, George himself, you know, it's kind of remarkable when you look at the guy and you look at his background um, and you kind of compare that with his peer group you wouldn't expect somebody to be so innovative as he is. I mean, he really is kind of, you know, oh, he's like really. three steps ahead of everybody else in his thinking. Um, what is it that, you know, you would say um, you know, is the most enjoyable part of being on that journey? I think, you know, George, he's, he's three steps ahead always. Yeah. And I've enjoyed having to keep up with him. Because it makes me think and work and, and and smarter. It's not necessarily harder, but smarter. It's um, you know the energy, mm. the energy that he brings to a room, the energy that he brings to the to the delivery of a project or a product or yeah. whatever. It's just hundred miles. Yeah. Um. And and it's brilliant. Yeah. But it, it doesn't switch off either. Right. You know, I was like, hang on a sec. We just discussed this. We need to do this. Okay. Yes, we'll mm. get to that. But um, and he's probably a bit more. I mean, going back to the start when. George said, "Hey, Brendan, his acons is what we're going to do." And I've seen I've seen other fintechs go and spend time and money on the technology side of it, yeah. then go, "Hang on a sec, we need to get regulated." Yeah, George is totally different. He goes, "Let's get the regulation in." And whilst that's being assessed, whilst we're working through that with the lawyers, the the regulator, whatever, we can do the build. So you're not front running the build before you actually get your license. Mm. So he he sort of he does things the right way. Yeah, uh, and, and he thinks about it. You know, if we, if we, George is very good on his regulation. We we look at new some of the new exciting products coming out. He's always like, well, what about risk? What about yeah. compliance? What about legal? Um, okay, what's that look like from a customer point of view? He, he's got the he can bring the picture into one. Mm. I think one of the things that really struck me when I interviewed George, if this was a few years back now, um, was that you know rather than grumbling about millennials, which most of people tend to do, he was just totally in sync with them, yeah. right? It was like he got them. He was like, you know, and if anything, it was just so respectful. You know, it was like these people are customers. Like, they're remarkable, yeah. right? Rather than putting them in this bracket of difficult to deal with yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, how, it's, how, it's funny because there's certain things that we've done from a from an advertising or marketing point of view and the rest of the team are millennials. Oh, that won't work, George. Does it? And it works. Like, yeah. How did you get in the, the mindset yeah. or the headset of millennials at your age, Mr. Lucas? Yeah, it's incredible, <laughs> eh? Um, well, we're, we're going to kind of wrap things up in a, the next few minutes. But look, I ask this question of everybody that comes on, and that is, other than your own business, which other fintech has got you excited right now? 
tier one people, Dexter, you know that. Mate, we're not a fintech, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think, I mean, again, a lot of people say, who do you admire, who do you compete, well, not so much compete against, but who would you like to be? And I think it does come back to someone like an afterpay. Mm. And it's it's not necessarily for the for the business itself, it's their execution. Yeah. The way they've executed, and, and I'm an ops guy and I, I love that. And the way that they have expanded, the way that they've moved through, um, I mean, you can't fault it. Yeah. It's the execution and, and that's that's a lot of things. A lot of people have a lot of good ideas on paper, but yeah. putting them into production and yeah. putting commercialising them is key. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people have asked me that question and I just put it down to the absolute simplicity of what they've done, mm. which, you know, the value proposition yep. was very, very clear. Yep. Market, very clear. Yep. Just, execution but as you know, I meticulous. Said, yeah, it's just build it correctly from yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Um, and you can't complain. And, you know, you, you get to travel around a bit. Yeah. Um, what's your general view of um, fintech in Australia? And you're not allowed to talk about screen scraping. All right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, mate, you can talk yeah, about no, whatever you want. No, no, look, I think fintech in Australia, it's um, pretty active. Very active, especially at the moment, and um, you know, there's a lot of wealth on the wealth side of things out there. There's a you know the afterpays and the the buy now pay later markets made it very, very active. Um, I, th- I think that Australia's got some great companies, some great ideas. Maybe there's you know a lot of people will argue with me, but maybe the funding's not there. Whether that what type of funding yeah. from the VCs to 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 government or, or anything like that or grants, I think that could probably be stepped up and, you know, everyone's heard this at the same time, different uh, views or opinions on it. I think there's a lot more to do um, to support the businesses and to support the, the fintechs in Australia. Do you, do you think this kind of absolute tear that we've seen after pay and zip on in the markets now might get them, you know, I think, your VC and government thinking, hey, you know, now we need to get serious because... Yeah. Yeah, and I think COVID has made a difference yeah. to that. I mean, it's fast-tracked a lot of, oh, and I won't just say fintechs, you know, you look at these restaurants and things out there now that have a delivery service, have an app, yeah. have takeaway services, it's fast-tracked a lot. And I, I know a few restaurant owners from our pub days, uh, we were going to get to that, but it's fast-tracked yeah. the technology behind it, which will then, which will then continue through the, mm. through the fintech scene. And it, we've seen the markets go on you know, an absolute tear as well. You know, I keep saying this, but I just can't get my head around. Everybody knows the world's in economic trouble, right? And yet the markets, we had a, what, 30-day, you know, bear yeah, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and people, like, ask me, where where is it going to end up? And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's no normal. There's no – it's a, it's just, unfortunately, a wait and see. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to wrap up, but before we do, what does the future hold for Ray's? Pretty exciting, Dexter. I mean, we're still we're working on the rest of our Southeast Asia expansion. Um, we'll have some more news about that in the next couple of months. There are some very exciting product developments which have been in the Australian business, which has been driven by our customers and our request for request for additional services. Um, unfortunately, being ASX listed and and, and the privacy stuff, I uh, I can't say it to you. So, unfortunately, you're gonna have to have me back, Dexter. Mate, that's not unfortunate at all. I'd <laughs> love to have you back. And mate, where can people find out more about Rays? Uh, our website's uh, www.raiseinvest.com.au. Um, and that's, how do you spell raise? R-A-I-Z-I-N-V-E-S-T, or one word. I didn't want to send anybody to a, you know, a fake or a copy. No, exactly. exactly. And Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're all on those uh, on the social media platforms. Great. Well, you can find me at Dexter Cousins on Twitter and Dexter Cousins on LinkedIn. 
Thanks for listening. And if you like today's show, please subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. It helps me to bring on great guests like Brendan. This show is produced by Tier 1 People. We're the leaders in fintech executive search. We'll help you launch, scale, and innovate by delivering the right people at the right time. And you can reach us, info at tier1people.com.